Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women, with your host, Jennifer McNelly. Welcome to Women in Manufacturing Radio. I'm Jennifer McNally, President of 180 Skills and host for today's show. For those of you out there listening, please join our conversation on Twitter at hashtag WomenAndMFG. As we know, women represent a vast talent pool in the U.S. economy. We're about 47% of the U.S. labor force, but only 29% of the manufacturing workforce. Where I see a gap, I see an opportunity, an opportunity to launch and advance women within the manufacturing sector. I'm honored today to be joined by Jane Arnold, Vice President of Global Process Controls Technology for Covestro. Jane, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. I'm excited today. Oh, me too. And, you know, I'll say you're my first guest that has the term global, so I hope you truly bring that perspective to our discussion today. So before we dive too deep into your journey into manufacturing, can you tell me a little bit more about Covestro and your role as Vice President of Global Process Control Technology? Well, Covestro is a global chemical company. We have uh, sites in uh, seven regions around the world, or three major regions, and there's seven large sites and many smaller sites. And uh, we make materials uh, like polyurethanes, polycarbonates, um, coatings, and adhesives. And uh, we do that around the world to supply our customers. In global process control technology, I'm actually accountable for all of the systems and instrumentation and electrical power that um, runs all of these assets around the world. Wow, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, your perspective in a global environment and what do you see as the greatest challenges that manufacturers are facing today? So one of the things that I see today um, as far as the biggest challenges are related to advances in digitalization. So Industry 4.0, or the Internet of Things, has pushed manufacturers and vendors to find new ways to better utilize all of the big data that they have been amassing for years. And there's a lot of exciting technologies being developed that will now improve manufacturing efficiency with topics like machine learning, big data analytics, AI process control, and the like. Along with these advances in technology and use of data is a very real risk of cyber hacking. And at Covestro, cybersecurity and protecting our assets and people is the number one priority. Wow. I was going to say cyber hacking, and when you think about that, well, there's certainly been plenty of discussions within the U.S. on cyber hacking and its impact. But I don't know that every CEO wakes up in the morning and thinks about whether or not somebody's hacking into their system, and I hear what you're saying to me, that's a real threat. Yes, it, it is a real threat, and over the past year, there have been several um, major hacks into industry, and and uh, I think one of the most recent ones, a hacker actually was able to get into a safety system and um, adjust valves or something, and they were able to shut it down. But that shows you, you really have to be aware of your vulnerabilities and and make improvements. Wow. So how how are you preparing 
the company? How how are you preparing customers? Talk to me a little bit about it, it sounds like this is truly a top-of-mind C-suite issue, and if it's not, it should be. Um, how are you preparing for it? What does that mean? So Covestro has, has uh, in the last few months, organized a cross-functional team with corporate security, IT, and global process control to stay ahead of the issue. And in, in Global process control, we're responsible for the operations technology, um, but also with information technology and corporate security, we're looking at all the different ways that we could actually be um, hacked or um, attacked in some way and making sure that we have everything in place to, to manage that. Um, so in, in my group, we're actually working with all the sites, all those different assets, to make sure that the defined security measures are implemented properly or to help define scope and to make it work. And my team is actually working hard on staying on top of these topics so that no one can access our safety systems because that's your last line of defense. And we're also looking to hire experts in this field um, within the company to help us with these goals. So, Jane, that sounds incredibly exciting, and I do think in the world of 4.0 and Internet of Things, there's going to be a huge landscape that changes. And how exciting that you are really on the front end of remaking what manufacturing is going to look like in the future. So if I can, I'm going to take you back to the early years. Was there a teacher, a family member, or somebody that really impacted the front end of your journey into manufacturing? Um, yes, I'd have to say that my father had a significant impact on my path. There was a, a lot that he taught me that influenced my career in life, but the most crucial thing that he taught me was that anything is possible. He taught me that there is a solution to every problem, you just have to figure out how. And this idea shaped me because every time someone told me that it could not be done, then I was determined to prove them wrong. I made a lot of significant technical improvements over my career that started by someone telling me it was not possible. Mm, I love that. I'm the same way. We are cut from the same cloth. Let me, sh <laughs> let me show you how it's possible. That's, right. That's really important. And yes. I do think early influences, so many times in life it ends up being about limiting the art of possibility. So that's wonderful to hear. That's wonderful. So in terms of heading into manufacturing as a career, tell me how that happened. Um, it, it actually was not a career that I had chosen when I was young, and uh, it kind of happened by, you know, life happening. Um, I was interested in uh, psychology and psychiatry uh, when I was younger and thought that that was the path I was going to take because I was really fascinated by people's behaviors and group dynamics and 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 wanted to follow those ambitions. And um, after two years at uh, university where I was studying uh, pre-med classes, I was on basketball scholarship, and that's how I was paying for school. I tore both of my knees playing basketball and had to start working in order to pay for school. I thought that uh, walking was more important than basketball and, and changed my path. And in order to make enough money to pay for college, a friend of mine taught me AutoCAD um, over spring break and lined me up with a summer job doing instrument and electrical drafting. And I had so much fun working in a plant uh, with uh, the designers and the engineers, and I really enjoyed it. And, and it turned out that I had a natural inclination to computers and to 
the engineering and the technical topics, and so I never looked back. I found engineering very interesting, and working at a chemical plant was exciting because every day presented a new challenge. And I ended up completing my degree in mathematics while working um, full-time in process control as a single parent. And uh, I've enjoyed every day and never regretted my decision. That's wonderful. You know, life life has a way of working itself out. So tell me how you end. Yeah, tell me how you ended up at Covestro. And what attracted you to Covestro as a company? So um, I stayed at that first employer for 16 years. It was actually two years as a contractor and then 14 as a direct hire. And uh, in the early 2000s, the company I was working for um, you know, went through bankruptcy and was downsizing and closing production lines. And I decided to not wait to see what would happen, but to go out into the market and see what else was out there for me. And when I went to Covestro um, for my interview in 2005, you know, I really felt comfortable. And I was interested in the Baytown site and the work that they offered. But one of the things that I really noticed was the diversity at Covestro. And the, the global company really has a nice mix of gender and ethnic diversity that makes each day more interesting. And I've found that all the varying perspectives working together really do come up with the best solutions. And at my first company, I always felt like I had to prove myself. And at Covestro, it was completely different. From day one, I was respected as the expert that I was and immediately accepted as part of the team. And um, I still occasionally heard that things couldn't be done, which led me to accomplishing some wonderful projects. Yeah. Don't tell Jane it's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if someone tells me it can't be done, I'm like, do you know what happens when you say that? (laughs) Yeah. Let me show you. (laughs) So with the career that you've had, and actually I love that you started your career and finished your education as a single mom, because I, I often, you know, again, women are up, unrepresented, and I think manufacturing offers family-sustaining opportunities with great benefits and, you know, consistency yes. in work and everything else. So I love the path that you have traveled. Um, I equally kind of love that experience as a scholar athlete, because so much of the attraction when you think about college and the scholarships and what happens kind of go go to bottom line revenue of universities yes and that's right. and what fills the stands and you've found it sounds like your true purpose outside of that infrastructure though that's what got you in the door and that's pretty cool yes it's it's been that's- a lot of fun Ah, that's very cool. So can you talk to me a little bit, because, again, with your background and the experiences that you've had and the journey that you traveled, what is it you do or see as your responsibility to paying it forward to others? How do you help inspire the next generation or mentor the women in the workplace today? You know, what does that look like for you? So what I do is is because there are – many less women in the workforce than men in, in the technical fields as I try to mentor uh, the women coming in, coming in and, uh, and then across the site. And I also mentor some of the men as well um, just because I have the diverse experience and, and we can kind of talk things out. Um, 
And also, um, Covestro has a nice internship program over the summers, and I build relationships with the students that come in to try to help them with their career decisions and what they want to do next. And I've even had uh, several other students from the summer will call me uh, sometime later in the year to ask for career advice. So I'm trying to open up that door so people feel comfortable talking to me and asking questions and asking for help. I think that's great. Do you do you still have a mentor or somebody to guide you today or a sponsor? I do. Where do have you a go for great advice? Yeah, so I've I've had a variety of mentors over the years, both men and women, and um, so they all bring a little different perspective. And as I've moved up the the management ladder, the the challenges have changed. And now that I'm working in Germany, it's also different. So I have um, both one man and one woman who are my mentors, and they're both in senior leadership. and And I'm able to go and talk to them about this is what I'm seeing happening. What does that mean here in Germany? How does how does that work? And and kind of have a unbiased feedback on what I'm thinking and seeing. And it's really helped me uh, maybe not to overreact about something or to understand the circumstances a little bit better. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm curious if things look different again. The first one that's bringing that global perspective, being in Baytown versus being in Germany, how does that impact how you think about your job, where you look to for advice, or is it really just a location and being comfortable outside of the States? Um, well, it, it was. It, it did give me pause you know, about uh, moving to Germany and changing everything that I know. And the first couple of months were very stressful, I'll be honest. But uh, what I like to do is is uh, go around and talk to people at the sites and find out how we can work better together and, you know, bridge those gaps. And I don't see, I mean, there is a big difference in the culture between Baytown and, and um, Leverkusen, Germany. But when you get down to it, people are people. And yeah. you can find a way to reach them and communicate on the same level about something and actually understand each other. And sometimes it takes a little more effort. I mean, we've got sites all over the world, and um, I'm taking time to visit all the sites in order to do this. And it's, it's you know, worthwhile and very interesting. I bet. I mean, what a back to your point of Covestro being a, co- a company of – I might not use all the right words you use, but inclusion and diversity and how that enriches the thought that the company yes. as a whole happens. Um, I, I'm curious. So I, I talk to a lot of women, and the data in what they say is, you know, they don't necessarily always take on the challenging assignments because they look, and I had a guest not too long ago who said it was the CEO. They came up and said, why don't you apply? And they're like, well, I'm not perfect yet. So how did you how did you how do you, how did you consider new opportunities and did you ever stop and think not right or were you jumping with both feet in at the same time so this actually goes back again to my father so his career advice to me when i first started is to never say no <laughs> to always say yes that sounds interesting tell me more and to pursue it to the point where you know, yes, I want to do this, or no, I don't want to do this, and here's the reason why. And what I have found is that I tend to be um, very optimistic about things and get excited about new things. And as I say yes and move forward, I, 
I get even more excited and engaged in whatever it is that's coming up. So I guess you could say that I jump in with both feet. That's great. And again, back to those influences of abundance, you know, you don't know yes. unless you ask. So what a great that's approach right. to then never say no, but at least ask really, really smart questions. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, in that process. So I'm curious, um, what do you consider your greatest professional achievement to date? So to date, it would have to be um, being offered my current position. Um, I am the first woman in senior management in the office of the chief technology officer. Um, as you know, there's not many women in the technical fields in the universities, and the, the percentage is low. And then as you go through, it's it's less and less as you move up. And it's more so, I believe, because, you know, 30 years ago, there weren't that many women in the technical fields. And um, this is a huge accomplishment for, for me personally, but also for Covestro and the other women, because there's very little gender diversity in top management, and I want to change that. And I really did not think I had a chance at the position because I'm so different from other leaders with respect to education, experience, and, of course, gender. And since my father said, never say no until you see the offer in writing, I continued to say yes all the way through the process. And even relocating to Germany, like I said, it, it gave me pause. And I thought about, you know, I'm really more comfortable just in Houston. But then I thought about all the other women at Cavestro who aspire to moving up into management. And if I had said no, I might have held someone else back from actually being offered an opportunity. And so I decided that I should just go ahead. And um, someone needed to pave the way. And I said yes. And I have loved every minute. I'm really having fun. What courage. That's And, and I, I appreciate, I often talk about the shoulders of greatness that women in manufacturing stand on if you go back to the Rosie the Riveter days. And I would say you are those shoulders of greatness the next generation will stand on because what I found in my work in engaging with really smart women in the industry is if there isn't a role model, they're not going to consider it. There needs yes. to be somebody willing and brave to pave that way. So good for you to have recognized that. You're much smarter than I am. I, I think I always <laughs> see it in the rear view mirror. Um, it sounds to me like you truly see it on the horizon and know that role and responsibility. That's outstanding. Well, so thank I'm you. curious, yeah, where, do, where does this take you next? Or is it just enjoying where you are today? Well, um, I'm really enjoying where I, where I am today. There, there's so much going on in the field of technology that I think I could be entertained and engaged for years. But again, if they were to come to me and say, you know, Jane, would you be interested in, you know, I would probably say yes. Yeah, that's great. I'm curious in the balance in choosing to take on the challenging assignments has has work-life balance played a role at all in the decisions that you've made and how you've overcome any of those obstacles? Well, I think that work-life balance is very important for everyone, regardless of your uh, position or gender or anything else. And, and as my son was younger and growing up, I um, had the flexibility to take care of the things that needed to be taken care of with concern to family. And Covestro was, was very flexible 
in that. And now my son is, is grown. He's graduated from university. He's working at Shell. He's doing very well. And so I wasn't concerned about, you know, branching out and doing something different. That's great. And I'm with you. Um, Work-life balance is a society issue. It yes, doesn't have it gender. Is. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And and now that I'm here in Germany, I'm you know meeting new people and making new friends. My language skills still need a lot of work, but um, it's it's fun. And so I'm doing things in life that I had never considered. You know, traveling and meeting different types of people, and I think it's really has enriched my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. So as we wind down today's discussion, um, I'd be curious if you have a challenge or a takeaway. So I always like to end my program with a challenge from our guest to our listeners to empower them. So as we close out today's show, do you have a parting challenge for our listeners today? Well, my advice is to never give up. You know, you may find yourself down a different path than you used to envision, but that's just part of the joy of life, and you should always enjoy each day to the fullest and pursue your dreams. That's awesome, Jane. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, equally from dialing in from across from across the sea and sharing your story with Women in Manufacturing Radio. I am confident that by sharing the story, and especially as a pioneer paving the way in a segment segment of the industry that is really uncharted territory. You are the shoulders of greatness. The next generation will stand on. To our listeners, thank you for your time today. Please continue to engage on hashtag women and MFG. Jane, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome, Jennifer, and thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. You bet. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.